Hey mama, so please don't throw me away. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we last talked. I am a terrible podcast producer, but ladies, listen, it's been a lot going on. Like, I've been over here working because work is work and work is a lot of work (laughs) these days. Um, We're in the middle of hiring, trying to get the kids home, trying to prepare myself mentally for homeschooling. So it's just been a lot. So I apologize for not being present, but I also wanted to make sure that this episode got out because today I'm sharing another story from a homeschooling mom. We're coming up on back to school season. Things are so uncertain. We really don't know if these kids go to school full time or if they're not going to school full time. And I just want to provide some encouragement to the mamas out there. I know I made the decision to pull our kids out uh, a couple months back, but I know that that's not everybody's story. And sometimes you just need to be inspired through others to know that it's even a possibility for you and just to feel better about where you are. It's tough right now, ladies, but I want to offer you some encouragement today before we hop in and start talking to Alana. You're a great mother, and your kids are amazing, and they're lucky to have you, and they're not going to be any dumber (laughs) because things are not going um, the way that they normally would go. I think as moms right now, it's just our job to dig deep and do the best that we can for our little humans and just make sure that they feel protected and they feel confident during this time. And All of those other details will work themselves out. So today, as you're listening to Alana, Alana's been homeschooling her boys since her older was in the third grade, and I want you to hear her confidence, and I want you to hear how she feels about her abilities as a mother to educate her boys and laughs at her mistakes. I think we're in a season where, even though it's tough and it's stressful, I think that we should, as mommies, take the pressure off of ourselves and start to figure out ways that we can just be the best moms that we can for our little humans in this season and just work to get through it together. So today's episode is all about encouragement. It's just a story to share with you to provide some insight from another homeschooling mom. I've got plenty of back to school stuff coming up uh, that I'll be sharing with you guys. My friend, my cousin over at, um, what was it, homeschooling? Uh, what God, dog it? What is, I'm trying to look her up on Instagram and I'm pulling up. Never mind, I'll tag her. <laughs> the one we talked to last week, Delise. Her organization is still a great resource if you are looking and trying to educate yourself on how to get started if you're having to homeschool. And I really recommend it because it's a mix between homeschooling and having to homeschool because they can't go to school. So check that out. Be sure to check that out. But today, listen to Alana. Laugh with me and Alana. Take the pressure off. I know it's stressful. I'm right there with you. But we're going to get through this, ladies. I promise you. And we're going to laugh about it on the other side. But until then, let's hop into today's episode. You're listening to the Her 360 Podcast. Created for boss moms and wives committed to slaying their family and professional goals. You could say this show is the intersection of being a really good boss a really good mom, and a really good wife, and doing them all on your own terms. Together, we'll have unfiltered conversations with moms from across the world about what it really takes to have the life you dream about. Kay has designed this show to be a safe place for honesty, vulnerability, and empowerment to support one another as we boldly go after life's dreams, tear down old ideologies that keep us hostage, and as we pursue our own modern definitions of success. If you're an ambitious boss mom looking for a community that supports you while you continue to evolve into the woman that you and everyone else loves, 
then stick around because you're already amongst a good group of girlfriends. Now, let's jump into today's episode. So, hey, Alana, thank you so much for joining me today, girlfriend. Kay Whitaker, it is always a pleasure to chat with you for any reason, but I am so excited about being on your podcast today. Yes, I was telling my husband, because he and I have decided that we're going to homeschool the kids, not just as a temporary thing, but just this was the thing. Oh, that right. kind of, mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm going to have to share with the ladies about this because it's been a topic of conversation with all of my clients. But I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, so I, I'll just ride this way. <laughs> I said, but I know somebody that knows I know do. somebody. <laughs> I got a friend. I got a friend. So today you are the friend. So ladies, as we're talking today, um, I want you guys, like, I want you to take pens and get your pens, get your papers. Because when I called Alana, what was that, six, seven months ago? It was maybe almost even a year ago when I was first, a year ago. when I was first talking about pulling just Elijah out. I was like, "Girl, you got to tell me what to do," because um, I yeah, I just don't know. And it was so liberating in the conversation when we talked because a lot of the things that I was scared of, as far as how am I going to teach him? Am I going to be qualified enough to teach him? What am I going to teach him? What's the schedule going to be like? You were like, "Girl, you run everything," so if you don't want to get up to twelve o'clock in the afternoon, you know, then it is what it is because you are in charge. Mm-hmm. So, that is the thing that I talk about mostly when I talk to uh, families about homeschooling their kids that they don't realize that they're in charge. You In, in the state of Texas, you make the rules by, by and large. And see, that was freeing for me because mm-hmm. when you think about homeschool, because we've been in the public school system forever, you know, we're on this schedule thing, right? Everything is based off of a schedule that's predetermined by what they tell you to do. You know, you bring your kids at this time, they're going to go to lunch at this time, they're going to come home at this time. Uh, and a large part of the reason why we even decided to homeschool is because my son just, you know, he, it just doesn't work for him. Like, he needs extra time. He needs to be able to learn the way that he learns. And the box that the school districts have tried to put him in just do not work well for him. So my biggest concern was, am I going to be any better? You know, will I be able to do this any better? Girl, it is a cat looking at me in my window. I don't know who cat this is, but it is like looking at me. Hashtag homeschool life. These are the things that homeschoolers have to do When you're at school in your little classroom, you ain't got to worry about a cat looking at you through the window. It is looking at, and I mean, it's like, hello. I wish y'all could see this. Okay, I'm a focus. She must, this cat. She, must be a, she must be a homeschool cat. I don't know. I'm gonna take a picture. I'm gonna take a picture so that I can share this when I share this episode on Instagram, so people don't think I'm lying. Like I'm taking a picture of the cat, and the cat is moving so that he can make sure. Like this is serious. This cat is watching. Sure good angle. He want to make sure you get a good angle. I don't know whose cat this even is, but it's somebody's animal. Okay, you got to go, bruh. All right, focus, Shakira. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's <laughs> all a part of it, though. It's all a part of it. So, for me, that was liberating. 
to know that I was in control. And if I have one of these moments where I'm like, okay, you know, let's just why take a break. Why does cat look at us? Let's take a break and look up cat. And why would you sit on a ledge and stare at a stranger? And stare at a stranger at somebody else's house. Let's do that. Let's learn that for today. Um, so it was liberating for me. You gave me a lot of power in that phone call. Now, of course, I had to go oh, back. No. You did. I had to go back and convince the husband that, you know, it was it was something that would not make our kids weird and have all of these stigmas behind, um, you know, people that don't homeschool their children and think that public school is the answer for everything would have. He was one of those people. So for me, that was a powerful conversation. So I want to give the women that are listening today the same power and the same freedom. I love it. Okay, uh, let's do it. That I felt as a mom. All right, so tell us how long you have been homeschooling your kids. Just give us the background, how many kids you have, and what made you decide to homeschool. Okay, well, I have been a homeschooler for 10 years. Mm. And um, it's funny because as we work through this this quarantine business that we're all going through, many of my um, friends, clients, and things like that ask me, well, Alana, how is you know how are you doing with the uh, quarantine? You know the homeschooling and everything. And I have to remind them that I've been homeschooling and working from home for ten years. My husband also works from home, and he did you know sporadically uh, early on, but probably somewhere around November he became more of a full time work from home. So we've been in this battle for quite some time. Wow. And um, it has been very interesting. The quarantine has been a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Um, we have some beautiful things that have grown out of this yeah. time. Uh, because, you know, when you're a homeschooling mom, or at least for me, I thought, well, you know, I spend tons of time with my, my kids. So right. you know, that mom guilt, that doesn't exist with me. But I realized that there was extra time, qu- more quality time. Yeah. that I've been with my children. But my backstory uh, for homeschooling is I noticed, and, and I like to preface things by saying that everything that I share is from my own perspective. In no way am I advocating that this is the way that you should do it. Unless, of course, you ask me a, a specific question. Um, you know, Alana, if I was trying to do this, how would I go about it? But what I do, even as a a mental strategist, which is my profession, um, is I just live my life in front of people and give them an opportunity to connect with me on however I can help them. I love that. And so for me, for for the Higginbotham family, uh, homeschooling was the best answer to some of the challenges that we were having. My experience was that The public school system, although it is a beautiful, wonderful system that does, it does work. It has some working parts. What I noticed is that for many brown-faced boys, it was was challenging. Now, in no way am I a conspiracy theorist, but I believe that sometimes the way a particular something is made, although it works really well for a lot of people, there may be a certain kind of person that it doesn't work for. You know, right. you and I, you and I, getting ready to log into this podcast, I had a, a few challenges logging right. in because I was logging in from a, a different type of browser than what you're normally used to logging in. 
it didn't mean that this whole concept doesn't work. Right. It just wasn't working for me. And in this particular example, I was able to tweak some things and now made it work for me. But the public school system was something that I noticed was not working for my brown-faced boy. And there were several other, and have been several other over the years, of parents that I get calls from saying, Alana, I'm having a challenge. Uh, You know, my friend told me to call you. And uh, more often than not, it's a brown-faced boy. Right. Or uh, a young lady who is very creative and very outside of the box and uh, she's being forced to be put inside of a box. And here's what I also want to make sure I clarify about public school. It is the nature of the beast. Right. It, it is It is a machine that was created to produce a product. That's not a bad thing. Yep. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just a thing. Um, and many people don't know this, but many, 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 many years ago, the public school system was actually created by Andrew Carnegie and J.P. Morgan because they wanted a system to be able to educate children so that by the time they were of working age, they would have a mindset and a mentality to be able to plug in as employees to their company. Super yeah. duper smart. And it has forged uh, what is the foundation of corporate America today. Um, and if you look at the two systems, corporate America and the public school system, they're very, very similar. Even though we are, you know, hundreds of years removed from its initial uh, creation. And so what I noticed was something very basic. So uh, in life, they teach us to pay attention to the constant. You're having a problem. You have this continuing challenge. What is the constant in those situations that connect them? And oftentimes, that's the thing you need to handle. And so one of the things that was a red flag for me, and there were several, was that every year when my oldest son was in school, he had a challenge when it came to doing creative writing. Mm -hmm. I thought that was odd because my son, who is now an animator, um, really loved doing creative things. And one of the things he would do sometimes on a Saturday is uh, he would write a story and then illustrate the story. So wow. I, I was kind of dumbfounded as to how a kid who can write pages of a story in his leisure time was having so much trouble each school year doing it when it was an assignment for him. So kindergarten, first grade, second grade. So finally third grade, it dawned on me, uh, in keeping with the whole, there's a constant in this situation, it dawned on me that the other constant besides my son was the system. Mm-hmm. And I never would have thought about that. The whole entire time that we were having this challenge, I always thought, well, it must be something with Drew. Drew, right. it must be something wrong with Drew. But then I started focusing on the system and how the system operates. And I pulled uh, away. I pulled away some things. I looked at some pieces of the puzzle that were missing. Um, I looked at some pieces of the puzzle that were just a gap. There were no pieces to fit in there. It was just a gap. And I realized that the way they were teaching my son was not the way that he most effectively learned. Right. Mm-hmm. My son is very, very. Both of my boys. At, at the time, I only had. Um, no, at the time, my youngest son was like uh, two or three. Mm-hmm. 
and my oldest son was beginning his third grade year. He was in the gifted and talented program, and this was his first time with two teachers. Um, and so it, I had a conference with one of his English teacher, and she was worried about Drew's writing once again. And this was the thing that sent me over the edge. And when I say over the edge, I don't mean I was upset. I mean, it sent me over the edge as far as like, okay, I got to find a different alternative. Right. And this situation, uh, she and I, I was always a parent that liked to have meetings with the teachers throughout the mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to be a mom who you only saw when there was a problem. Right. And on occasion, I might bring a pot of gumbo or some freshly baked cinnamon rolls. When you, when you hear the name Higginbotham, I wanted to resonate in a positive light with you. That's right. <laughs> I know how the human mentality works. So, you know, I'm going in for the gusto. And so Absolutely. On, this, on this particular meeting, his English teacher was saying, you know, Mrs. Higginbotham, and she's showing me his notebook, and she's saying, you know, on this day, he had 30 minutes to write. And all he wrote was his name, the title of the, the book he was supposed to be writing about, and I think like two sentences. And then he spent the other 30 minutes doing nothing. And then he showed me another, showed me another paper where he had only written his name. Um, and then she showed me another paper where for 45 minutes, all he wrote was his, like, like his name and the date. And, uh, and so she stopped there, and she's talking to me. And meanwhile, I'm listening to, to her case, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't understand how this is possible because this is not my school. So then she says, but on this day, and she turns the page, and there is two pages, top to bottom, front to back, full of words. Wow. Where he spent 15 minutes filling up all those pages. And I said, well, what was the difference between this and that? She said, well, I was talking to Drew and asked him um, about some of the books that he had been reading. Was there any book that, you know, resonated with him? And uh, Leo Leone is a child author. He's passed away many mm -hmm. years ago. But he wrote a, a book that Drew had read that Drew really enjoyed. And he, Drew said to his teacher, well, I really like this particular book. And she said, well, why don't you write about that? And Drew said, well, I didn't know I could write about that book. You know, they give him a list of books. Right. Drew said, I didn't know I could write about that. And she, and she said, yeah. She said, so next time, you know, we do our creative writing, our, uh, you can write about that book. She said, Mrs. Higginbotham, Drew bothered me for three days straight because wow. they, only, they only did writing like once a week. She said, Drew bothered me, asked me two or three times every day, for two or three days straight if he could have his time to write about that book. <clears throat> and what ended up happening is he was so on fire about writing about something that inspired him that he bartered his recess to be able to sit in the classroom and write about that book. What? That is when he banged out all of those pages. What? Now... I I am no, I am no degree teacher. I do not have a stitch mm -hmm. of formal edu institutional education on being a teacher or educating anyone, right? Right. But what I am really good at is putting together puzzles and and filling in blanks. And in that moment when she told me that, I said to myself, "Well, geez, of course you're going to be excited about writing about something that stimulates you." Right. So, 
they were forcing him to read certain books that he could care less about. Love me some. I love Judy Bloom to life. God rest her soul. Right. But not every eight-year-old boy wants to read about Ramona and how she's eight years old and all right. this other Love me some Ramona now. Ramona forever. <laughs> However, my little Drew didn't care nothing about that. <laughs> and, and so I started to see a pattern for what it is. It, it, it was like the cream that rose to the top. And I realized, okay, I realized even also through the book that Drew was super duper interested in things that were artistic and colorful and mm-hmm. you know in school that kind of thing is kind of frowned upon it's like that's yeah. the curricular fluff stuff that you know mm-hmm. if, if you have an art class you might go to that class once a week right and so this book was very um, this whole situation and this book and this writing was very integral as a matter of fact that happened on a Wednesday and by the following Wednesday, I, I was emailing the teachers, the principal, as, as the principal, assistant principal, and counselor, letting them know that Drew would be being withdrawn from school and he'd be homeschooled. In a week. Yeah. Now, the decision to arrive at that didn't happen in a week. Mm. It happened over the course of about two and a half years of research. And by research, mm-hmm. I mean... I mean, I ran from it from about two years and three months. <laughs> and then the last three months, I literally had random people tapping me on the shoulder, striking up conversations with me about homeschooling. And I, I know nobody that homeschooled. I didn't know nobody who looked like me that homeschooled. That homeschooled. Absolutely. When I met you, how long have we? It's been It's been years. Yeah, it's been some years, and when I met you, I think you were the first brown woman that I knew that homeschooled her oh, kids, and I was like, uh, "God bless her soul," because my kids. My own sister told me, "Oh, you can do that because you like your kids. You like your children. They got to go. <laughs> they got to oh, go." Oh, they gotta go. But I have a similar story, you know. I've, and we've talked about this offline before with Elijah. He just learns differently, and it's yeah. been years that I've considered it. Um, but having a partner that thought anti what I thought, you know, we had to come to a conclusion together that okay. it was what was best. Yeah. Uh, but now that we're here, we like, okay, how are we gonna make this work? Because everybody. <laughs> it was the same for me. It was the same for me. As a matter of fact, my I call it my litmus test. My litmus test was because I, like I said, I ran from it. Uh, the last straw, uh, or one of the last straws, was when my neighbor started talking to me about the fact that her and her, both her, her and her husband were homeschooled. Wow. Um, but the last straw was I was out celebrating um, one of my friend's fortieth birthdays. And at, we were at Painting with a Twist, and randomly, this woman struck up a conversation with me about homeschooling. She, the, the group of women were all homeschooling moms, all super cute, all dressed really mm-hmm. nice, looking super jazzy, makeup on, hair popping, uh, different ethnicities. And one of them, I'll never forget her name, was Dee Dee. And one of the reasons I remember that is because the friend whose birthday I was celebrating, his name was Dee Dee. Oh, wow. And she said, girl, we, we have changed the face of homeschooling moms. And I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. More homeschooling. 
<laughs> and this woman walked me out the door and all the way to my car in the parking lot talking about homeschooling, homeschooling. How, she, how she felt about homeschooling initially. And so it was the thing. This is what I said to myself. I said, Phil, and myself said, hmm. <laughs> I said, Phil, if me and you talk to our hubby and he's on board about homeschooling, then I know it ain't nobody but God. I know it's in the yeah. point. <laughs> and my, my husband was very much like your husband. Well, how are we going to do this? Well, what about that? Well, what about college? Well, what about... And yeah. I came home and I talked to my hubby about it. And my hubby said, babe, if you think we can do it, I believe in you. Let's do it. Because wow. at the time, I was already a stay-at-home mom, and he knew that I would be the primary, primary. Uh, teacher. Right. And so, you know, he was like, if you think you can pull it off, I'm behind you all the way. Now, mind you, I had to, I, I have resold him on homeschool and my homeschool methods probably every year since. <laughs> you know, times get tough, and a brother is like, is this really working? <laughs> can we have some conversations over homeschool. Now, don't get it twisted. So what you're saying is, is that just because you make the decision doesn't mean that that decision will stand forever. You will have to revisit the conversation. It's like buyer's remorse. It's like buyer's remorse. <laughs> oh, well, you really can't give them back. You're like, hey, hey, we bought the, we already bought the house. You can't just you can't just get rid of a house and get a new one. You know, it's kind of like that. Buying a house, it's like a commitment. Right. <laughs> I can remember. I can remember one day, uh, you know, him being uh, real because he's 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 homeschool minded. Yeah, I mean, he's public school minded. Uh -huh. Right. And I can remember one of our most heated conversations. I said to him, um, and at this point, I think we had been homeschooling for six or seven years, and we were having a quite a debate. And I finally said to him, "Look, I've been homeschooling your kids for seven years." And either I'm doing a good job or you crazy for letting me do it for seven years. It's conversation over. It literally was. Because after I said that, all I saw was the back of his head. He took a deep breath. He put his hand on his hip. He looked at me for 3.25 seconds. And then he turned around and walked out the room. And again, he said to himself, well, shoot. She might be right. She might be right. Either this is working. Or oh, I'm crazy for letting her hold me. Either way, or either one or the other, or both. Either it oh. is working, and you're crazy for letting me hold you. Yep. So let's stop having this conversation. Yeah, okay. do work. Get, get on out of here, so I can take a shower. I'm done with you. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like we had some work to do from uh, getting the hubby on board, but now they're at home. So yes. once they're at home, what do we do? Like, how how did you prepare in that three months? I know you ran for for a couple of years, but in the three months, what were some of the things that you were researching to make sure when you made that decision mm -hmm. that you had the confidence that you were going to be able to actually do this um, and do it well? Well, what the the one thing I will say first of all is that I knew that it needed to happen, and I made a move. I did not wait until I had all the curriculum already ready. I did not wait until every situation was perfected because I knew that there was a there was a challenge that was going on. 
And this, the time that I spoke about, about having that conference with Drew's third grade teacher, that was the final straw. Right. But there was a lot of things that were leading up to that. Uh, one was he was in class and having a challenge uh, focusing and mm-hmm. the teacher told him to, why don't he put his headphones on, his, the, the headphones they use for the computer, why don't you put your headphones on, that'll block out the sound and it'll give you an opportunity to concentrate. And Drew tried to explain to her, that's going to be a distraction. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he very diplomatically, because my son has always been a great communicator, all of my children, most of my children. Um, and so she got upset with him because he refused to put the headphones on. I later found out that she's actually the disciplinarian teacher. So there were five mm-hmm. known behavior problems and troublemakers that were in her class. And that's why my son was having trouble focusing because these were the kids that would, uh, they either weren't doing their work, uh, what, uh, uh, they either wouldn't do their work and just make a ton of noise or they'd be doing their work and being distracted. Just all kinds of stuff. Okay. Just all types of stuff. All types of stuff. There was, uh, there was also a time we moved while Drew was in the uh, first grade or he was going to the first grade. And so we moved him to a different school. And um, he had a challenge um, focusing in that particular class. The teacher uh, gave him a timer to sit on his desk, and that helped him tremendously. Being able to understand what his parameters were, okay, I'm doing this assignment, and I have this amount of time to complete it. Well, what happened is after he got accustomed to using the timer, she took it away from him. So. Mm. So it was all kinds of things. He moved from, uh, we moved from that place to another, uh, um, we ended up buying a home a year later. And the community we lived in, the school that was zoned to it, Drew went to that school and he had trouble with uh, the boys throwing mashed potatoes at him at the lunch table. Oh, no. Uh, they used to go to the bathroom in pairs and one of the little boys rubbed his naked butt on Drew's pants. Oh, no. All kinds of things. So I said all that to say, Kay, that in my in my brain, I wanted to wait until maybe I should wait until the end of this year. Because when mm-hmm. Drew came out of third grade, it was in October. I said, well, maybe I should wait till the end of this year. Well, originally I said, maybe I should wait till he's in the fourth grade. And then I was like, well, we keep having challenges here and there. And then I said, well, maybe we'll wait until the end of this actual year. We'll start in January. And very loudly, as, as loudly and as audible as I'm talking to you, I heard myself say to myself, but how much longer are you going to let him endure all these challenges knowing that there's a problem just because of the calendar? Right. And I remember going to lunch with some of my girlfriends the same day that I took him out of class and officially took him out of school and one of my girlfriends said you mean you're going to take him out of class and you don't you haven't already put all your curriculum and everything together and I said yeah that's what I'm getting ready to do and so I did it I walked to the school I mean I drove to the school signed the withdrawal paper Uh, I found out that no matter how many uh, no matter how much gumbo or cinnamon rolls you bring (laughs) they treat you a little differently they treat you making money they treat you real different when you walk into that office to sign a withdrawal form. Mm-hmm. Um, so I withdrew him, and initially I was basically public schooling at home. So there was right. this 
regimented curriculum. Uh, it had all of the subjects, including Bible. There were stacks of workbooks for every single subject, and it was excruciating. Yep. <laughs> it Kind of like it is now, right? If we are public schooling at home, that's yes. been the case for the you, past you five years. You guys are taking someone else's plan and you're just implementing mm-hmm. it at home. Trying to. Right. And so for us, it took a while for me to realize a lot of the things that I shared with you many months ago, it took me a while mm-hmm. to arrive at that. Even when Drew first officially started high school, um, I was getting recommendations for a biology curriculum for him at the homeschool store and the curriculum that I was um, advised we started using it and two weeks in K it was like it don't have to be it don't have to be like this (laughs) and so fortunately I was able to package that uh that um textbook up and bring it back to the homeschool store and get my money back and switch to a different curriculum but in that moment the reason why I brought it up is because in that moment I had to realize Alana yes you bought the book and the workbook and yes he's already written in the workbook but it's okay it's okay for you to ditch this and do something else nobody's gonna die and nobody's gonna have to eat ramen noodles every day if you spend <laughs> money on this workbook that you can't get that you can't get money back for right and so what ended up happening is I switched it to a biology curriculum called Friendly Biology that was a curriculum written by a homeschool mom and dad who both nice. had master's degrees in education and curriculum writing. Hmm. Nice. And it was phenomenal. So I, when I started out, my thought process was it's got to be just like public school. Mm-hmm. And then that evolved. There were some heated moments. There was some yelling and some screaming and some now I got to go stand up in the garage and cool off in the beginning. <laughs> now, were those heated moments from the boys or were those heated moments from the hubby? Oh, that was heated. That, that, the one that I'm particularly speaking of is with the boys. <laughs> I, I came unglued one day in <laughs> and I walked downstairs and went into the garage and as I was walking into the garage, my husband was walking in from work and he was like oh shit what happened, <laughs> what happened here so he went upstairs and handled them um, you know it, it was a learning experience for us all one of the things I love about parenting is that essentially I am watching my children grow up while they watch me yep. grow up yep yep I tell my kids that all the time we are growing together you grow up older and I am trying to figure out how to do this with you so yes. just I ain't never been the mother of a 17 year old before new like before we didn't do like a quote-unquote schedule 
I did like a list of tasks mm-hmm. that you need to complete. And essentially, the schedule really is also a list of tasks for them to complete. The difference here, though, is that um, it's letting them know, hey, let's get started with our day at this time, and let's mm-hmm. be done with our day by this time. So. Gotcha. This one kind of gives them a time to wake up because now my oldest son is, um, he, he has a job. Mm-hmm. And my youngest son takes Taekwondo. And so there's certain things now that we really can't be as flexible because there's certain appointments on the schedule that. Right. So, so when you get your schedule, you know, oh, today's the day that I get to go to Taekwondo. So I need to get this, this, and this knocked out before I go to Taekwondo. And then I need to make sure I handle this and this once I get back. Mm. And, and I will say that my husband was a monumental part of that whole scheduling thing. Um, all these years in, 10 years later, it, it makes me feel better because I know that even if I'm not standing right next to them, I know they woke up at 8.30, they got their breakfast in, they're doing this, and every evening we do a debriefing. So when the day's over, they sit down and they show me what they've accomplished because I realized that one of the things that my homeschool was missing was accountability. Mm. There were things that I would tell them to do that I would just uh, have faith that they did them, right? Right. And uh, when it comes to homeschooling, there's so much that's, you know, just about the experience. Right. And not about the grade. Right. Uh, because in homeschool, the stuff starts to count once they get to high school. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of high school stuff we do, we try our best to do a lot of the high school stuff at a um, community college. Mm-hmm. So, so those uh, credits count. Dual credit. They're dual credit. They count not only towards his requirements for high school, but he's racking up credit hours credit for college. So how does that work if we're not following a specific curriculum until they get to high school? How do we know that they are ready for the high school level learning when it starts to count? Well, it, it, the learning process is much simpler than what the animal that is public and I, I include private school into this because private school is the same answer. It, it's mm-hmm. the same, just pay for it. It's the same animal. There's just fewer kids in the class. There's a religion course that's added in there, and there may be a you know one or two other things. But basically, it's a rigid curriculum. There are certain guidelines that they have to follow and, and whatnot, or that they deem. Essentially, it's somebody else telling you what your kid needs to learn, right? And how your kid needs to learn it. So both of them are great entities, and I do believe that both of them work for some people. But when it comes to homeschooling, um, the experience of learning is very different. My youngest son, because of homeschool, essentially taught himself how to read. Hmm. Because while I was while he was two and three, and I was working with his big brother, um, he was sitting in front of the television watching leapfrog videos about mm-hmm. and things like that. And then he was also doing little activities. I would. I would make a, a coloring sheet on a humbug that was basically the same stuff that my oldest son was doing, but 
uh, instead of him having to read something, it was letters he would trace and right. same picture, right? And so uh, with all of that, because I just gave him the tools, my youngest son taught himself how to read and he taught himself how to write his name when he was only three. Nice. And so he kind of taught me, okay, well, wait a minute. This learning process thing doesn't have to be so rigid and it doesn't have to be um, so uh, distasteful and so hard. And so um, what we do is you find things to keep your child focused on and progressively they learn and it doesn't have to be, if they're doing math, your child doesn't have to do an entire worksheet of 25 to 30 math problems to know how to do those problems. Say that. Because let me tell you what ends up happening. Depending on your child, whether they are left brain, whether they are right brain, whether they are the oldest, whether they are the youngest, all these things affect how a person processes information, right? The little voices inside your head that make you scared that you're going to mess up, all those things. So depending on how your child processes information, the more problems you give them, it kind of becomes harder in their mind. And what they'll end up doing is they'll end up making silly little mistakes, which which affects their confidence, which affects what the little voices in your head say when you're trying to complete something. And so one of the best tricks I ever learned from another homeschooling mom was, she said, Alana, what I do is I take my kid's worksheet or workbook and I tell them, listen, there are 25 problems on this page. If you can do the first five correctly, which depending on the math textbook, the first five or 10 represent every different type of concept that you are learning in that chapter. So uh, she said, I tell them, if you can do the first five completely correct with zero mistakes, then you will be done for the day with math. Huh. But if you make one mistake, you have got to go and finish every single one of those problems on that page. So practice so that you can practice and refine the skill. So what happens is it sends a message to the kid that I need to slow down and be careful. Yes, I may have to slow down on these five problems, but if I slow down on these five problems and do them all correctly, that's far less time than what it's going to take me to do 25. 25 questions. Right. Uh, a lot of what we do also as homeschoolers is we don't do a lot of <clears throat> testing, so to speak. A test, yeah. a, test is, is a, a test is a mechanism that was created so that when I'm standing in front of the room teaching tons and tons of kids, I have this one thing that I can give all of them, and then I can look at that test to, to distinguish whether or not they absorb the information, right? Right. Well, when you're a homeschool parent, particularly those of us that have a smaller grouping of children to teach, the test is not as necessary because you're working with the kids. You know what they right. know because y'all are working through it. Right. Um, but for grins, um, for giggles, Many times we will implement a test, particularly on math or things like um, my oldest son is getting ready to take a, a test on U.S. history because I want them to be prepared and understand what it's like to take a test. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give them so many tests that may be unnecessary 
and then they get to college and testing is something that's distasteful to them. I want them to enjoy learning for the purpose of learning. Not, not for the purpose of taking the test. That's right. And not for the purpose of the trophy that you get when you get an A or whatever. We're, or whatever. We're not a trophy type of uh, family. Nice. Now, speaking of tests, so we know that the state of Texas has all of these tests that are required in order for the student to be deemed passable, right? So what is it? The, I don't even know what test is. That starts, whatever it is. Um, and that causes a considerable amount of stress, especially for my son. My my girl, my oldest child, she can take a test with her eyes closed. But for him, like it just, it completely takes him out. Yeah. And he makes mistakes just because he's taking the test. The stress of what it. Is it like? Yeah. What is it like if I'm at home homeschooling? How do I know high school it counts? So those grades matter. Do I also have to take the test in order to receive my high school diploma and be qualified to go into college? No, ma'am. In the state of Texas, homeschools are categorized as private schools. So private school students don't take the STAR test. The STAR test is really... The STAR test is our, and and every state has a different name for their test. Right. The STAR test uh, has a, is is a way to quantify education so that on a higher level, people that live in Austin or whatever your state's capital is can look at a spreadsheet and know how the children are learning in this school district and in that school district, and then moreover in this particular school and in that particular school. And therefore, they know how to move forward in the processing or the planning of their school year and of their requirements. And also, when it comes to doling out money and funds and resources, they utilize the STAR test to be able to tell them what pockets in the, in the state need more resources or deserve more resources, uh, so forth. Based off of the performance of the kids in whole. Absolutely. But what it is not, what it was not created to do, let, let's be clear, what it was not created to do was make sure your child is learning what they need to learn. That, that is not what it was created to do. Um, it and, and again, it's a part of the animal. I don't badmouth it because it has a position. If I was in charge of an entire state's worth of education, especially a state that's the same size as a doggone continent, right? if I was in charge of an entire state's education and how to plan it and put it together, you've got to figure out a way to break it down because one person or one entity, I should say, is not capable of moving all around the state to figure out if each kid is getting what they need. This is true. And so fortunately in the state of Texas, because being a homeschooler classifies you as having a private school, you are not required to do any standardized test. There are standardized tests available if you as a parent would like to do that for your kid. Um, The Stafford test is a test, the Iowa test. These are all tests that uh, many private, private schools use. 
And as a homeschooling parent, you can even get yourself certified as a proctor to where hmm. you can administer the test. You can not only administer the test to your children, but it's also a way for you to make a little extra change because other people can pay you to administer the test to their children. For their kids. But when it comes to standardized testing, um, the first standardized test your child will be required to take is the SAT or ACT. For, for their entry into college. For, that's right. That's what I was going to clarify. For entry into college. If your kid wants to be a plumber, which God bless you if you produce a plumber, because baby, they make some money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they sleep on the plumbers, but they get paid. Listen to me, honey. They are not leaving your house for less than $300. I don't care what's going on inside those walls and those pipes. If I come in and look for 15 minutes, you're going to pay that invoice. Okay, but let me tell you what. Try to fix that on your own, and you'll realize real quick why they are so worth what Why they are so worth what they are asking you to pay. Amen. So if your kid wants to be a plumber or an electrician, more power to you. They're going to make a lot of money, and they'll never have to worry about a job. However, if your kid wants to do something that does require higher education, then the first test they will have to take, standardized test they have to take, is an SAT or ACT. And there are people out there to help them prepare for those tests. Uh, you know, it's available to you if you're in public school or private school. It's also available for free online. Khan Academy, uh, yep. CLEP website, um, all kinds of things out there. And that brings me to um, kind of what you were getting at, Alana. Well, how do we know if it doesn't count? It does count for high school. You know, how do we know? Um, essentially, there comes a time in your kid's homeschool life and her, hopefully for you it's early for you know you guys out there it's early on where you just really focus on okay these are the things that are required let me go and look at my school district and what is required for a high school diploma and we'll just focus on that let's say your kid's three and mm -hmm. you look at what is required you know an advanced bio an advanced science here an advanced math there Algebra one, algebra two, uh, a foreign language. If your kid is three and you're getting ready to homeschool them, one of the best things you can do is go look at the SAT and the ACT and look at the high school requirements and focus on that. Well, Alana, if my kid's only three, how are they going to be doing uh, algebra one and algebra two? Well, you start them from their three-year-old place in life and then you build on that until before you know it, this happens all of the time in homeschool. Before you know it, your eight-year-old will be doing Algebra 1 and Algebra 2. Because they organically learned it. Because, because you they organically learned it because you introduced it and you did not subject them to having to go to kindergarten, first grade, and second grade. And all three of those are a repeat of one another. Teaching the same thing. Everything they learn in first, second, and third grade, uh, in, in kindergarten, first, and second grade, uh, it's repetitive. It's the same thing. How many times do I need to learn about the scientific method? I know it's the hypothesis, and I know all of that. Right. And so because you homeschool, you eliminate a lot of the fluff that comes with having to educate a mass group of children at one time. Makes perfect, perfect sense. Now, if I'm homeschooling and I'm not a stay-at-home mom, but I'm a work from home mom that has to work or I have a business. 
how do I manage through making sure the kids are getting what they need to get and I'm still being productive in whatever field of life, professional or entrepreneurship that I'm working in? I would say that the first, the very first thing that you need to realize, the very first thing that you should realize as a parent, period, but right here answering your question, the very first thing that you need to realize is that your child is capable of greater things than you can imagine. That's good. Say that again. Your child is capable of greater things and greater responsibilities than you can imagine. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I'm all for the empowerment part. You know, my in you is greatness and, you know, it's wonderful and it's exciting and it makes you want to clap. But I am all about practical, simple, sustainable. Got you. I have everything in me to be whatever I want to be. How do I take it out of me and make it work for me? Here's what I mean when I say that your child is capable beyond what you can imagine. My husband wants um, frowned upon the fact that I taught my son who was then, I believe he was like seven or eight. I taught him how to pull up a chair or pull up a step stool, get on it, and grab a cereal bowl out of the cabinet to make himself a bowl of cereal. I even went so far as to get my gallon of milk from the store and break it down into three smaller containers to make it easier for him to grab the gallon grab. Right? I need you to be independent. That's what I need you to be. Yeah. And so my husband, and I have used this analogy so many times. People are probably sick <laughs> and tired of me saying this. My husband was like, what if he falls? What if he hits his chin on the edge of the counter and he bleeds and then he got to get stitches? Or what if he drops the bowl and it breaks on the ground and then he falls and cuts himself? It's all this stuff, right? And I let him have his moment. And once he was done having his moment, I said, I said, honey, right now, Somewhere at this very moment in either a third world country or just a different neighborhood, there is a a five-year-old who is wheeling his handicapped mama in a wheelchair up a dirt gravel road to a, a well so that they can get some water to bring back to their hut that's made out of corrugated metal so that that five-year-old can bathe his mama who is handicapped and then turn around and make breakfast for his siblings who are three and two. Right now. Right now. And, and, and do you think that because he was grown in a third world country that, that, that he just magically has the capacity to be responsible? No. He's responsible because it is necessary for him to be responsible. We're talking about a cereal bowl. And I, I honestly actually saw a documentary where that was the tr- that that that's how I got that um, concept. I saw a documentary where that was the truth. This this young man in a third world country was wheeling his mom in a broken down wheelchair. Wow! And he did it every single morning. And so I said uh, I said all of that to tell you, you think that your child can't handle doing things on their own, but they can. And one of the best things you can do for them is give them the opportunity to be responsible for themselves. It doesn't have to be perfect, and they're going to make mistakes, but it is in the mistakes that the learning happens. So so to cap that off, putting together a schedule and saying, listen, 
here's a watch for you. Mommy's going to get you a digital watch. You can get a cheap old Casio from Walmart. Get that baby's mm-hmm. watch. Look at this watch. You're teaching them so much in that that opportunity to to help them, to help them journey is so important. All those things that are going to happen when you give that baby a digital watch, when you give them a piece of paper that says, at this time you're going to do this, at this time you're going to do that, I'm telling you, that five-year-old, that six-year-old, that eight-year-old are going to feel so empowered and you're going to want to weep at the little person that you have allowed them to journey to. It's magnificent. Because those are things you're not going to learn in the classroom because they don't have time to teach them those type of life skills inside of the classroom. And they're being taught by a person who is absolutely overwhelmed that she can't even, he or she can't even actually do her job, their job. Their job becomes yep. making sure you're ready to take a standardized test as opposed yep. to the joy of, of teaching you. Part, my heart yep. goes out to school, to public school and private school teachers. Yep. I 100% agree. Okay, Alana, we have been talking for about almost an hour now. And I know we can go all and on and on about this. And I love these conversations, especially when I start to get a process. I wanted to make sure that the ladies that were listening had some insight for confidence. You know, there's one thing to have a blow by blow on what to do. And I don't, I don't ever want to have a conversation like this is how I, I love what you said in the beginning. I'm teaching you from my own experiences so that you can feel empowered to go and do this. So this episode wasn't meant to break down like a structure of, okay, the kids get up at this time and this is how we do it. This is giving you confidence to say, I'm you know, take off all, yeah, just, you know, take off all of the stigmas that you have about your children and really touch into what you want for your kids and what's going to be best for them. That's right. We didn't well, come to this decision as a family and what works for my family may not work for your family and you know you're going to have to go through that process to figure out what works but what's most important is that there's a whole wide world of people uh, especially women that look like us that are making this happen and making it happen for their children and their children are going into the world being positive productive citizens of the worlds that they live in making some amazing things happen so If you don't take anything else away from this episode today, just know that you have what's in you as a mother to care for your child. You do that every single day so you can teach them if that is what you want to do. Um, And if that's what's best for them, and this is something that you're looking to do, then I would think that we're just encouraging you to take the necessary steps to make it happen. Um, so that you don't have to wait until your kid is in the seventh grade, going into the eighth grade, hello, okay, uh, to decide that you pull them out uh, <laughs> and, and do it on your own, okay? Alana, is there anything that you can tell the ladies as we're getting ready to close, um, just as a the final pep talk as it relates to homeschooling their kids and being a homeschool mom? I do. So a large part of being a homeschooling family is parenting, right? So you get to parent on a more full-time level. And I am going to share with you guys a parenting cheat code that I figured out some years back. And the the cheat code is this. It's really simple. So in, in a lot of things that I teach my children, when there's a lot of moving parts, I try to break it down to what's the one thing or the two things or the three things we can do that's all-encompassing that will take yeah. everything. 
And so the reality is there's a lot of things that I am not going to be able to teach my children either because I haven't thought of it or because I haven't experienced it. So Alana, how, how are you going to be able to cover those bases as a parent who wants their children to have everything? And what I realized is not in just their schooling, but also in their behavior, if I do this one thing, it'll take care of all those other things. And the one thing I realized is if I can teach my child to have enough respect for themselves, yeah. then I don't have to teach them about respecting other people. Because I used to say to myself, well, if I tell my kids to uh, respect your elders, because I was taught that, say yes, ma'am, say no, ma'am. If I teach my children to respect their elders, what happens if they're in a position where there's a person who is not worthy of respect? They're just not, that person is not being respectful. And then I realized if I teach my children to have a high level of respect for themselves, it will make them respond respectfully in every situation. In every situation. That's good. And so that empowerment to respect themselves gives them a certain level of confidence, and it also makes them realize that whatever information they need, wherever there's a gap, they have the power and the confidence and the respect for themselves to be able to go get that information. So if there's ever a gap on something that I wasn't able to teach them, whether it's about life or school, I have empowered them to go get that information on their own. Nice. I like that. And it's okay to do that because you're in control. Yeah. Sometimes the most in control thing you can do is let go of control. Of the control. (laughs) Love it. Well, it has been amazing talking to you, lady. I want to be respectful of the ladies' times. Would you tell everybody where to find you so that they can connect and let you know they came from the show? Yes, I am Alana Higginbotham, and I am the mental strategist. I am not only a very happily married homeschooling mom of two sons, but I have my own platform where I coach people to create a life they enjoy now by utilizing their mental and their thoughts to do so. And so with that, I am Alana Higginbotham everywhere. So that's A-L-A-N-A, the last name is H-I-G-G-I-N-B-O-T-H-A-M. And so you can find me at alanahigginbotham.com. I am Alana Higginbotham on Instagram. I am Alana Higginbotham on Facebook. And my email is info at Alana Higginbotham.com. <laughs> All right, ladies, it's been a blast, and we will see you on the next episode. If you loved this episode, Kay wants to know. Please subscribe if you haven't already, and leave us a five star review telling us what you love and what your takeaways were. By leaving your review, it helps us to continue to provide awesome content and book guests that you love and want to hear from. And as a token of our appreciation for your review, we want to send you a gift. Kay has compiled a list of her favorite resources that help keep her balanced, focused, energized, and sane, and she wants to send it to you. To get a copy of Kay's favorite things, leave us a review, take a screenshot of it, and email it to podcast at kaywhitaker.com, and we'll send it right over. It's that simple. Until the next episode, be sure to connect with Kay on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at kaywhitaker. This conversation has been great, and we can't wait to see you on the next episode.